You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Well, it's good to have you with us. And uh, whether you're in the room this morning or you're listening online, we welcome you. It's great to have you part of our, our gathering as we uh, consider this morning um, some thoughts that uh, I guess I, I feel strongly about. Um, Jesus speaking to uh, a group of people made the statement, and I'm going to read from the old, um, the old uh, English translation. He says, Ye are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And the word there, ye, uh, is uh, opposite to the term thee, ye and thee. Ye is plural, thee is singular. When Jesus used the term, ye are the light of the world, he was referring to us corporately, not me or you individually. So uh, Jesus himself, he is the light of the world, he is the light but we corporately are the light of the world. Now, light has some amazing qualities. Light's incredibly attractive. I don't know how many of you have ever been up at Mount Kutha or some such place looking out over the lights of the city, and uh, it's quite an attractive view. Um, lights do draw us in. They are um, avenues of, of warmth. We can draw near to light and, and get warmth. We can receive healing from light and we are the light of the world. Photosynthesis is an interesting dynamic. Photosynthesis is the process whereby living organisms, plants more than likely, uh, literally take light energy and transform it into some kind of uh, a source that provides fuel for existence. So they literally take light turn it into chemical energy that feeds them and causes them to grow. Light has some incredible uh, um, qualities. Did you know that when you're looking at the ocean, you don't see the ocean. What you actually see is light bouncing off the ocean. When you look at a waterfall, you don't actually see a waterfall. You see, uh, you see uh, light bouncing off the waterfall. When you look at a beautiful vista, you don't see the vista. What you see is uh, light bouncing off it. And uh, is that a message, Phil, that my voice is very croaky? You wanted me to sort of cool it out. Is that what you've done there? there? Thanks for that, brother. Very kind of you. But, uh, <clears throat> I'll, uh, I'll struggle as best I can. Um, so, and light has a, a, an opposite effect on some people. I, I said, you know, light tr- draws us in. It's attractive. It has all kinds of positive qualities. But conversely, it also uh, 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 repels some people. Um, who, wants a, who, wants light, who wants light into the banking system of this nation? <laughs> Answer, uh, not the banking executives. Have you know what I'm talking about there? Uh, light exposes truth. Uh, light is saviour, but often sometimes light is seen as judge. So some people would rather throw rocks at the light. Some people would rather shoot the light out because light threatens their intentions light has a lot of positive uh qualities but some of the workings of light in our life can bring about things that some would rather uh do without we are called the light of the world did you know the first thing that was ever spoken was let there be light uh in the bible the first few words that we read are let there be light the first few spoken words that we read are let there be be light we can't always expect people to cheer us on we can't always expect people to welcome us in but the truth is where there is no light 
there is no life. And we are the light of the world. Now, here's the question that I want us to wrestle with this morning because I think you will agree if I was to suggest to you that there is more light needed in aspects of your family, that there is more light needed in our community, there is more light needed in society than there currently is. So here is the imperative question that I hope to answer this morning, and it's this. How do we increase the light? How do we get more light into the world, bearing in mind that we are that light? How do we shine brighter? How do we shine clearer? Now, the solar system, you're familiar with the fact that we are part of this in incredible solar system, groups of planets that revolve around the sun. The reason it's a solar system is because all the planets agree on what is the center of our uh, galaxy, and that is the sun. We all revolve around the sun. If a planet decided it was going to be the center of this system, we wouldn't have a solar system, we'd have solar chaos, right? Um, it would be a car crash. There would be uh, all kinds of disaster pretty, pretty quickly coming about. But the very fact that we all revolve around the sun, all the different planets, means that we can work in harmony. There is a, there, there is a, a system, there is a harmony that happens in the, uh, in the galaxy that you and I are a part of. And it means that the sun that is the center of it can bring light and life to this world. This incandescent ball of gas that creates light, that we revolve around. Each planet has a job. And let's just keep moving around the sun. Uh, live, uh, each planet exists in submission to the sun. We receive light from the sun. How many know that the earth has no light? The earth only receives light. It reflects light. The moon has no light. It only receives light. It reflects light. Similarly, folks, we are the light of the world, but we have no light. We merely reflect light. Uh, um, the, the, the center of our world is the sun. Now, not S-U-N, S-O-N, right? The son of God. And... Um, perhaps the greatest temptation that there is is when we want the world to revolve around us. When we do that, we are moving from light to darkness. Our job is to keep revolving around the sun or keep the sun at the center of our existence. If we keep the sun at the center of, at the center of our existence, then light has an opportunity. Light has the capacity to shine through us. Our job is to not be tempted to make ourselves the center, but to keep revolving around him. The, the psalmist said, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And our light has come, the light of the world, Jesus Christ has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. So that light shines upon us. But then he goes on and he makes this rather uh, bleak statement. He says, See, darkness covers the earth. I want to suggest to you that you are right now where God has placed you. You are right now in the center of God's will. 
You can just by simply submitting right now your, your heart to God. You are, I don't know how this works. This is a miracle. But right now, by surrendering your life to God, you are in the center of his will. You are revolving around the sun. And the light of the sun shines on you. The, 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 the glory of the Lord shines upon us and brings hope and healing and health. But there is this darkness. And the prophet observed the darkness was over the earth and um, just historically speaking you've probably all heard of the dark ages right anyone here never heard of the dark ages what occasioned the dark ages what brought darkness to the earth with such thick blackness that it actually got its own title the dark ages um, I want to suggest to you that the dark ages was brought about when behavior trumped doctrine. And let me explain what I mean by that. It didn't matter how you behaved. What mattered is what you believed. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of history here. This might interest some of you, so hang with me if it doesn't. But uh, the Aryan controversy, which is the beginning, if you will, and what give, I, I believe gave birth to the Dark Ages, was this, um, uh, this huge debate over whether or not Jesus was uh, divine through by birth from birth or whether or not it was bestowed upon him by the father so whether or not the whole idea that he was begotten of God that was something that was given to him because he earned it because he was such a great human being or was he born this way now um, for churches like this this isn't an argument we know full well that he was born begotten the first uh, begotten son of the father we, we know that he was divine from birth but Going back 1,500 years, that wasn't so clear, and there was this huge argument, this huge debate about it. And uh, in the end, that he was begotten by God from birth, so he was divine from birth, one. And so the Nicene Creed declared this. But it was a political issue, and they didn't go away friends. And uh, if you were found holding documents that said anything to the contrary, you'd be put to death. Um, you, you weren't allowed your view you weren't allowed we didn't discuss it now the decision was made and if you held to the wrong view you would be killed that's how they dealt with um, uh, with, with uh, people who didn't follow their way back then faith became very creedal uh, what was so dangerous of course about that was that Jesus had made it behavioral Jesus said they will know that you are Christians by the purity of your doctrine, right? That's how they'll know that you are Christians because you have this pure doctrine. It's not what he said at all. He said, they will know that you are Christians by your, by your love. That's behavioral, right? Love is what you do. It's a verb. It's a doing word. But what happened, the dark ages, it was, wasn't about what you did. It was about what you believed. And, and then the, this thing came about in, uh, 512 AD called the Apostles' Creed. We, I believe in God the Father, God the Son, etc., etc. The funny thing about the Apostles' Creed is that when you read it, there's not one word in it that associates with behavior. It's all about belief. It's all about what I believe. I believe, I believe, I believe. And the reason for that is it was signed off by emperors. And emperors wedded to power and power doesn't really care what you believe power cares 
how you behave. And so it was all about what we believe. It became very, very creedal and things progressed from then where, uh, you know, um, uh, priests and so forth had to be very, very careful because if they said the wrong thing or they did the wrong thing, uh, they, I should say if they believed the wrong thing, they would be put to death. Christians arrest, arrested Christians for believing what was wrong. And there was fear and baptism and, and communion, that the sacraments were used as means of manipulating and controlling people. Pope Urban, you may have never heard of him, but he told his followers that if you come and fight in my war, no matter what you do, you don't have to worry about it. You have popal immunity. And so they went all the way from Rome to Jerusalem, raping, murdering, and pillaging under popal immunity. In other words, it doesn't matter what you do, but if you come with me and fight in the war, we're going to go and rid Jerusalem, the holy city of, uh, of the scourge of, of Islam. These uh, Muslims had taken control of Jerusalem at this time. And so the Pope Urban was going to take his, his army and dispel that the scourge out of Jerusalem and while they were there, uh, murder some Jews as well because they, they did, uh, after all, um, crucify our Savior. And, uh, and he did all of this in the name of God. And he said to his followers, he said, it doesn't matter what you do, if you fight in my war, you will go to heaven because it's not about what you do, it's about what you believe. And darkness covered the earth. It's funny because Jesus made this statement in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. He said this, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good doctrines. I'm sorry. They may see your good deeds. Wow. I'm all for, you know, getting truth out there. But the one thing I've got to tell you about the internet can't do a lot of deeds online. <laughs> you can have a lot of opinions, but you can't do a lot of good stuff. Jesus said, let your good deeds be seen. And this is, this is, this is, this is quite confronting for this group who we said this to. Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Let, let's just have a look at this closely. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Now, this is a group of Jews. They didn't like others. <laughs> <laughs> they wanted others out of Jerusalem, right? Right now, they're occupied by the Roman Empire. They don't want others glorifying God. They want others fearing God. They don't want others knowing God. We want our land back. What we want is we want light that gets rid of darkness. We don't want light that transforms darkness. So what we want is we want this crowd out of here. We want our religion back to ourselves, our land back to ourselves. We don't want them glorifying God. What we want is we want them fearing God. But Jesus made this ridiculously confronting statement about letting others glorify our Jewish God because of your good deeds. Paul building on this notion. And I mean, this is an audacious statement. This is a provocative statement. This, well, maybe for some, this was a blasphemous statement. When he said in Galatians 5, 6, Paul said, the only thing that matters, and that's quite something for a verbose character like Paul to say, because Paul wrote most of the New Testament. 
So for Paul to say there's only one thing that matters, it's quite remarkable that Paul did write a whole lot of things. <laughs> but he narrowed it down to one. He said, the only thing that matters. Now, this guy was a Pharisee, right? So he was like a Pharisee's Pharisee. So he would have memorized the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, by the time he was a child. By the time he, he got to his teens, he could have probably quoted every word of, Exodus, of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, word for word. And yet he says there's only one thing that matters. And when I, I, the reason I say that is that he would have known the Ten Commandments. Have no other gods before you. Don't blaspheme the name of God. What about them? Do they matter? Do they not matter anymore, Paul? What do you mean there's only one thing that matters? This love that's motivated by faith. See, this is the key to light. This is the key to the light of the world. You need more light. Our world needs more light because darkness is pressing in and it needs more light and we are the light of the world. I have a question that I think if you answer, it keeps us moving around the center of the universe which is the son the lord jesus christ see the question that we have to ask is what's our next step as we continue to orbit christ right as christ is the center of our world as we move around christ in him we live and breathe and have our very being as we as we move in christ i just think there's one question you've got to answer i think you have to wrestle this to the, to the ground every day I, th I think when you wake up tomorrow this is the question you have to answer and it's simply this what does love require of me now? <laughs> and what we need to stop doing, folks, is worrying about our future. We just need to stop worrying about, will I have a job in five years? Or, you know, is my industry coming to a close? Or, what, 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 how will I be able to look after myself in, 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 in my retirement? Stop thinking about worrying about your future and answer that question today. What does love require of me now, now? See, many of us were worried about what's going on in the political sphere and, uh, and, and some directions that our, our, our nation are taking and uh, some of the things that, that seem to be coming up on the horizon globally. And, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in these things, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't uh, express uh, an opinion in these things. What I am saying, however, is that we shouldn't let these things get into our hearts and cause us to fear and worry and so, that, so that it's all that occupies our mind. What needs to occupy our mind so that light can shine in the world, so that we become the light of the world, is this question, what does love require now? Wrestle that question to the ground. When you're faced with a decision, when you're in a dilemma, when you don't know what to do, that's the guiding question. What does love require now? What does love do in this situation? How do I move forward? How do I keep revolving? What is next for me? Because I believe we all have a next step. Uh, I believe that there is something more for you to do that God is not finished with you. 
that you have a, a reason and a purpose to be on this earth, that, that, that no matter what, how old you are, how young you are, how sick you are, how, how, how whole you are, no matter what your current status is right now, God has something else for you to do. God is not finished with you. And, and so, so you say, well, what is it? How do I know what is? I tell you how you know. You wake up tomorrow, you look in light of the circumstances, in light of the opportunities, what would love do in this situation? That's what God has for you to do. You look at the circumstances of your life and you don't let fear enter your heart. You, you don't let, you don't let uh, worry consume your mind. What you do is you simply answer the question, what does love require of me now? That keeps Jesus at the center. Because let me tell you something, my friends. I don't know what will happen in the next 10 or 15 years globally. I don't know what will happen in the next five or 10 years in this nation from a, uh, a policy point of view. I don't know what's going on in your particular line of work and where you're going to be at in the next 12 months. But I know this, Jesus is on the throne. His name is above every other name and nothing's gonna happen and nothing can transpire. God will let nothing go, go down, folks. And he has not ordained. So you don't have to worry. What that means is that you are free to wrestle that question to the ground. Most people aren't. Most people wrestle the question to the ground, oh my goodness, how am I gonna survive today? How am I gonna get through this week? Will I be okay in five years time? And that's what enters their head and that's what fills their thinking. And darkness starts to cover the earth. I, I, I said before, when you, um, uh, you, there, there are two aspects of light in a sense. There's that aspect that is warm and, and, and uh, exciting and alluring. And there's that aspect that repels. You know. Have you ever looked in one of those, those mirrors with the lights all around and sort of the magnifying? It's not so pretty, is it? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you go, oh, goodness, is that what it is? <laughs> oh, you know. I look quite good from a distance. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> when you get up close, you can see all the blackheads, all the warts, all the, all the things. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of work that needs to go on there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for some, you need more work than others, but whatever the case may be. Uh, so, or, you know, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This, this, is, this, is, some, this is revolutionary for our current um, cultural norm. But, but, but here's, here's the thing. It's actually okay to feel bad about yourself if what you feel bad about you're going to change see see we, we live in a society today that's all about oh god don't make me feel bad i just want to feel good you know just tell me i'm okay tell me everything's okay T just tell me that hey you know uh, if i no matter what i think tell me that it's it's right no matter how how i feel tell me that don't feel bad about yourself. Hey, let me tell you something. It's not bad to feel bad because if you don't know, you can't change. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if, 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 here's the thing. You've got to know the truth about you. If you don't know the truth about you, then you are never going to change. Did you know the... Um, the easiest person in the world 
for you to deceive is yourself. Nobody does a better job of selling you on bad ideas than you. <laughs> I mean, have you, you've done this, right? I mean, you've seen the thing. Oh, boy, I like that. Oh, I can't afford it. Oh, I've got to find the money for that. <laughs> I've got to get the money for that. Where do I find the money for that? And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, if someone was to ring you up, right, and say, oh, can you lend me X amount? I haven't got that kind of money. You know, what do you think you're talking about? Hang up. Oh, I want that. Oh, same amount of money. Oh, I can get that. I'll be able to do that. I, I think I'll, I'll be able to manage that. I'll find that money. I'll get it together. I'll afford that. And, and, and you convince yourself, you know. The best thing the salesperson does is just shut up. Just shut up. Let this person sell themselves, right? It's kind of like, here, just here, cut, the, uh, cut the tags off. I'm wearing this, you know. I'm going to buy these. This is mine. And, and, and you, you, we fool ourselves. We drag ourselves down. I've spoken to people who are at war with each other. More than once, by the way. I've spoken to people who are at war with each other and both sides are completely and utterly righteous. You just talk to them about the other one and they'll tell you how good they are and how bad the other one is. And then you go and talk to the other one. And guess what you'll find out? (laughs) The exact reverse. See, nobody is better at deceiving you than you and nothing is more dangerous than self-deception in fact I find my experience has been most people who bang on most about truth themselves are completely deceived because there's not just doctrinal truth for the mind there's the reality of truth for the heart right reality what actually is and I don't want to know what actually is about me I want to live in a fantasy world where I've got, I'm king and I've got the whole world kind of sorted out and I've got it all together and I can marinate in the juices of my own self-righteousness until I'm completely self-justified and (laughs) self-deceived at the same time. And I can bang on about concepts and ideas that the cows come home and it doesn't matter how pure and right about my concepts and ideas I might happen to be, inside of my heart, I'm completely deceived. There was a guy in the Bible and his name was Peter and he was completely self-deceived. The problem with self-deception is you think you're right. <laughs> you all know someone who's self-deceived, right? In fact, you're possibly sitting next to them. I don't know. <laughs> but it's not you because you're right. See, but Peter, he comes to Jesus, right? And, and, and Peter says to Jesus, Jesus, I will not deny you. These other lot, pff, look at them. <laughs> Riff-raff, right? Hey, trash. They'll deny you, but not I. What's he saying to Jesus? He's saying, in a roundabout kind of a convoluted way, I'm better than they are. I've, had, I've thought about this. I, 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 you know, this riffraff over here, they'll deny you. They're, 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 they're second. But Jesus, not I. I know thee who thou art. <laughs> I've followed you. I've got the truth. And I'm never leaving you. I'm with you, Jesus. And you know something? Peter... I believe Peter absolutely believed that. I don't believe Peter was deceiving Jesus. I believe Peter, when he made that statement, 
honestly, honestly, honestly thought it to be true. I don't think Peter had his fingers crossed to say, well, I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. Well, I, am, you know? I don't think he was trying to manipulate Jesus. What he was doing was he was manifesting his own self-deceit. He'd marinated in the juices of his own self-righteousness long enough to believe his own uh, nonsense, if you know what I'm saying. Now, what is interesting is that many of you in this room know the story that Peter denied Jesus three times, but a very short time after he said this. And then a short time after that again, Jesus confronts Peter on the Sea of Galilee. And he brings Peter face to face with Peter. And this is not a pretty thing. In fact, I'm going to read this to you because some of you might find this difficult to believe, actually, that Jesus is like this. Some of you might find, uh, you know people that aren't in church anymore because of this, and you might think this is person X or person Y's fault. Maybe it was Jesus' fault. Look, 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 look. Peter, he, he comes to Jesus, and, and um, Jesus comes to Peter, I should say, and he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, I do. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, I do. And a third time, Peter's thinking, why do you keep asking me this? And then he asks him for the third time, and all of a sudden it hits Peter. Uh-oh, I know what this is about. Because I said I didn't know him three times, and now he's asked me if I love him three times. Let, let, let's look. So the third time, he says to him, son of John, do you love me? And look at this. Peter was hurt Jesus hurt Peter you know people who don't come to church anymore because they got hurt yeah you, you, you know people who have uh, fallen away from faith because they got hurt have you ever been hurt did you think it was that horrible person on the other row over there that hurt you did you know that Jesus hurts the people he loves that's pretty serious isn't it Peter was hurt by this. What hurt Peter? That's the question. Why is Peter hurt? What, what, why is this bringing pain into his life? I'll tell you why he's hurt. Because Jesus just brought the mirror of reality to Peter's soul. Something that is so horrifying, we don't want a bar off. But something without, we can never do what Jesus has asked us to do and be the light of the world. See, just after this, and you can go and read the story because I'm not preaching John 21 today, just making an observation. You can read the rest of the story because it's quite interesting. Because what, what I find is the minute after Peter's hurt and he recognizes his own self-deceit, you know what God says to him, you know what Jesus says to him? Well, I'm going to get you back now, buddy. You, know, <laughs> you denied me after you said you, wouldn't, you let me down. I'm never going to trust you again, right? I'm never trusting you again. You said one thing and you did another. No. In fact, the, the exact reverse. The minute Peter recognizes that he's done the wrong thing, Jesus says to him, okay, Peter, now you know that. You're in charge. I'm out of here. You're, you're the head of the church. <laughs> the minute you look in the mirror that's exactly what jesus wants that's all he wants you, you, here's the thing you haven't got to be perfect you've just got to be real you, you, you haven't got to you, you haven't got to attain some level of perfection you've just got to be honest about where you're at
And it's not easy to be honest. It's hard. We don't want to be honest. We will fight to not be honest with ourselves because we love marinating in the juices of our own (laughs) self-righteousness. We love to think that we are righteous, that we are right, and everybody else is wrong. But here's the thing. If we maintain that position, then light never comes to our hearts. So how do I get light to me? If we could put that next slide up. This, this, is, this, is, this is my hypothesis. Light comes to me in the form of truth, but light emanates from me in the form of grace. And why is that? Because when I have the truth, I see how incredibly gracious God is with me. I have no option but to be gracious to the people around about me. As long as I'm in self-deception, I'm judgmental because I've marinated the juice of my own self-righteousness long enough. I think I've got it together and there's something wrong with you. But when I allow truth to come to me, grace can flow from me, right? Because I see how incredible God's grace is. I see how incredibly amazing it is to be forgiven. I'm left with no other option but to be gracious to the people that are around about me. What does light look like? Light looks like truth to me, but to the rest of the world, life looks like grace. Life looks like, wow, love, let your good deeds shine before men that they might glorify your Father in heaven. They see light through love, but I receive light through truth. So, (laughs) this question, I've already posed to you. Um, What does love require of me now? That's getting light to the world. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. But what gets light to me? I've got another question for you. You might like to write this question down because I just suggest that at every juncture you ask yourself this question. I can't make you see the truth. I, I'm not Jesus, right? I haven't got the mirror shine it up so oh that's really what i am that's what i look like to everybody else i had no idea (laughs) i thought i was this altogether vivacious incredibly knowledgeable and loving guy and people see that i had no idea that's what people saw (laughs) nobody wants to see that and so we fool ourselves and we stay in the dark because we stay in the dark the world is in the dark because we won't face the truth, and by truth, I'm not talking about doctrinal truth, I'm talking about reality truth. Whilst we won't face the truth, the world won't see the light. We have to face the truth. And so here's a face the truth question. I can just put it out there. Why am I doing this? Really? <laughs> Why am I doing this? Really? Try to get to the core, to the kernel, to the bottom of your motivations. This is not an easy thing to do. I accept that. This is, this is difficult because it's, it's quite simple to, to fool ourselves. No one fools you like you. But this question may help. And, and, and here's how I think it can help you just a little bit better. So when you answer the question, right, don't worry about it. Don't, don't think, oh, well, now I better change. Continue to do the behavior before that was fooling yourself. 
but just know that you're fooling yourself that's all i'm saying <laughs> i'm not saying change your behavior but if you can answer that question honestly right and you can really see the core of your motivation just keep doing it then i mean if you want to change change but i'm not i'm not saying now you've got to do that no just be aware of it just be aware of it and continue on the path that you had previously perhaps chosen light is love and grace to the world but it is truth and refinement to the disciple it's love and grace to the world but it's truth and refinement to the disciple see sometimes we get that around the wrong way we think light is is truth and refinement of the world and we stand up on a hill somewhere and we tell everybody what they're doing wrong and how they should be better and blah 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 and jesus talks about seeing the uh the, the, the you know the the uh speck in everybody else's eye but you missed the log in your own <laughs> and it's his kindness that brings us to repentance but through the process of repentance truth comes to our hearts and when truth comes to our hearts sometimes we don't feel good about ourselves but that's okay provided that that sense of i don't feel good about myself leads me to the point of transformation have a look at this next as the um the, the prophet continues to write in, in isaiah chapter 60 he says this nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn what i want to suggest to you this morning is that it's not your brightness it's not my light it's his light through me <laughs> there is no light in me this is there is no light on the planet the light that we love the light that that we that is life comes from the sun and the light and the life that we have spiritually comes from the sun s-o-n not s-u-n the sun of god what we have to do is maintain our orbit keep moving keep moving don't stop don't try to get the universe to revolve around you because that'll be darkness God has something more for you to do. What does love require of me now? And then, light to me. Why am I doing this really? What's my motive here really? Trying to get to the essence of truth within the human heart. Lift up your eyes and look about. All assembly come to your sons and daughters come from afar, your daughters carried on your hip because the light is so attractive you we 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 are the light of the world there is no life there is no healing there is no hope outside of the church we have to bring truth to our hearts and in grace and love through our lives that light might increase that the nations would know that Jesus is Lord let's stand together we're going to pray Father I thank you that you are light that I haven't got to manufacture light I merely have to reflect the incredible light that is existent in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ.
Thank you for listening to this podcast.